0: Conversations on the Leading Edge of Knowledge and Discovery with parapsychologist Jeffrey Mishlove.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today we'll be exploring highlights in the spiritualist literature. My guest is Maxine Mayor, who is a spiritualist medium. She also has her master's degree in religion from Harvard University. She is the author of the two-volume set called Great Moments in Modern Mediumship. Also, what the great mediums have taught us about spiritual healing, and what the great mediums have taught us about spirit guides, and what is spiritualism also, fascinatingly enough, grounds in your coffee, an idiot's guide to coffee tassiography, which is a form of divination involving reading uh, the coffee grounds. This interview is being conducted with Maxine, who is in Kuwait. And now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, Maxine. I'm very happy to be with you from so far away.
0: And I'm glad to be on your show, Jeff.
1: You have combined an academic career in the study of mediumship and trance experience with, with your own practice as a spiritualist and, I've discovered, uh, as a spiritualist medium yourself.
0: Yes, I have, Jeffrey. I, it's always been an interest of mine to learn, to both learn academically and experience firsthand uh, this phenomena.
1: Well, you know from your reports of the spiritualist literature it's much vaster than I had actually imagined and there are many many highlights uh that I'd like to talk about. I think uh, maybe a very good place to start is with Andrew Jackson Davis. Uh he's uh, a very important figure in the history of spiritualism and but largely I think forgotten today.
0: Yes, he is forgotten but he was very big and it was very controversial at at the time. Here, he was an illiterate, um, uneducated, maybe past the fourth grade man who trained as a cobbler in those days. Uh, Men would pick up a a skill, an internship uh, in, in in their teen years. So he had a he had a very much of a blue-collar, working-class background. And then phenomena started to uh, occur around him. And even though he was illiterate, he was highly curious and investigated this material. And he ended up, um, we would call it today channeling, but he wrote books uh while in the trance state that myself and a few other people tried to read them, uh, it it was obviously material beyond the reach of a of an uneducated cobbler, and he's forgotten uh, uh, a, a, in a large part also because he was a controversial figure. Um, he married three, four times. Uh, in fact, he, he he married a woman, or was he wasn't quite divorced before he, he he was after a a woman. And so within the within the mores of that society, that that put him in a disrepute and made his work and his uh, phenomena um, looked over.
1: I gather he's referred to by some as the John the Baptist of the spiritualist movement because he predicted the rise of uh, what we now know as spiritualism. But he came before the Fox sisters, who are considered the you know, founders of modern spiritualism, uh, and yet he he left a. A body of literature, and uh, I gather that scholars came to observe his uh, trance sessions and were very impressed with the quality of linguistic and scientific information that came through him.
0: They didn't have the words trans state channeling back then, and it it was very difficult for him to articulate what was going on. In fact, he coined the phrase, which is coming back into popularity now called the superior condition. And and we have no way of knowing what exactly he meant, uh, what type of altered state he was actually in, or what abilities he had on the trans spectrum. But yes, he was uh, uh, tested or looked, looked, looked at by the science of the day.
1: He inspired people as far away as Russia. He became, one would have to say, an international figure.
0: Yes, yes. And you alluded to the fact he predicted modern spiritualism. It is purported uh, that um, on March 31st, 1848, he was in a trance state and uh, said the doorway has been opened. And that was the date, of course, that the Fox sisters, uh, really took off with their phenomena in, in Hinesville, New York.
1: That's a very famous episode in the history of spiritualism. Many people who are familiar with spiritualism will know about it. So, I'd like to jump over that a little bit and talk about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, it, it's well known, I think, that his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, uh, was favorable to spiritualism and invited spiritualist mediums into the White House.
0: That is a fact, Jeff. That is a fact. The orthodox religions of the day didn't have an answer to the afterlife. They had, you know, your deceased loved one might go into purgatory or hell or uh, waiting around for the judgment day, and that that left so many people uh, in in grief unnecessarily. And so, spirit mediums really. F- filled the void uh um, at that time. And yes, there were mediums that came to the White House during the Lincoln and even the president before Lincoln and and um President Lincoln um was even purportedly on top of a piano as it levitated. Uh uh so uh uh He may not have been uh, into it as much as his wife or affected by grief as much as his wife was, but he was there front and center.
1: One of the most moving passages in your book uh, was in reference to a medium who apparently went into trance and spoke to President Lincoln for, I gather, about an hour regarding the importance of him not delaying the issuance of the Emancipation Proclamation and uh, Uh, apparently that was very moving to Lincoln because he was under a lot of pressure uh, from the more conservative forces at the time uh, not to uh, take this move.
0: Jeffrey, a case like that is exactly why I dug into the literature and, and investigated this for myself. Because if someone were to have told me 40 years ago, 20 years ago, that the Emancipation Proclamation came from a spiritualist medium, I would have said, what book did you get that out of? How do you know? And come to find out, for those listening to for the first time on this, it isn't just, oh, the spirit medium uh, was there and wrote a book about it. No, biographers of Lincoln, have found this story in other sources and have cited it. And there were cabinet officials in Lincoln's cabinet that looked down upon spiritualism and knew about this seance and they wrote about it. So here you have a historical event that's not just referenced by one but referenced by many. And so as a, as a teenager, as a young adult coming into spiritualism, I would hear things, but then I'd have an overwhelming curiosity of, where, did, where is that? You know, who told you that? What book is that in? And that gave me the motivation as I was reading the spiritualist literature to get out a highlighter and say, oh, that's a great story, and, and to circle it and reference it by page and by book and sure enough that same story might be in another book that was that was earlier or the, that was on in another country so it wasn't just copying the same story here you had a story coming from two different sources and when you're doing when you're doing academic research um postgraduate you know you, you of all people know that it a claim, a bit of evidence, is not evidence unless it's cited.
1: Well, your two-volume set on the uh, great moments of modern mediumship includes, I guess it must be, hundreds of examples of uh, events that even today, after 150 years of spiritualism, probably the average person thinks these are impossible. They couldn't have occurred. Now, I know from the literature of parapsychology that these things are occasionally documented under well-controlled scientific conditions. But when you uh, look at the reports of uh, spiritualist circles, witnesses who have attended seances, Uh, It seems as if for every instance that occurs uh, under scientific conditions, there are probably 20 or 30 uh, identical reports under less well-controlled conditions, but they seem quite plausible.
0: Absolutely. And being a man of letters in the social sciences, you would know that um, these anecdotal stories, you know, that... The the hard scientists might scoff at at a series of anecdotal stories, but anecdotal stories may form to be a giant case study and case studies are fully recognized within the softer uh, sciences of psychology, sociology, anthropology. So even though they're not under test conditions, you know, every time it doesn't mean that the evidence can't be replicated or or uh, duplicated. Now there are problems within the uh, soft or s- social science about getting around the 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 replication and the duplication of of phenomena as opposed to the physical sciences, but. Psychologists have done that, and and parapsychologists are getting into that. The the problem is when you're dealing with consciousness, uh, it's very difficult to devise uh, controls that can be duplicated and replicated, uh, and so that the evidence can be uh, formulated and uh, codified, you know, like like the like the scientists want to see the the evidence um, uh, in a table form, you know. So, I the only person who's really been able to do that uh, within mediumship is um, I might mispronounce her name, a uh, Julie
1: Bishep.
0: And and so she has a book uh, on studying mediums. In which she had to devise a, a, a set of uh, uh, codifying data and then, uh, and then tabulating it and, and then replicating the phenomena across a series of mediums uh, to, to, to support uh, her theory. So it, it can be done. It's just a little tricky in the social sciences.
1: Well, let's talk about apports. Uh, I did an interview with Stanley Krippner. He went down to uh, Brazil and studied a, a Brazilian medium named Amir Ahmedin, uh, who produced numerous apports. They were witnessed under very uh, good uh, conditions. and As I recall, uh, the objects that were apported are uh, housed currently at, in a uh, university in Canada. I know Stanford University yeah, in their museum, there's a, also a collection of uh, objects that were ostensibly apported. But when you look at the uh, accounts from spiritualists themselves, what, there must be uh, forty, fifty different uh, instances where uh, apports have been attested to.
0: Yes, e- everything from uh, everything from apporting something within the cupped hands of a sitter. And not only apporting something within the cupped hands of a sitter, but having the, the item that's apported of, of evidential value or sentimental value to the sitter. So here you have some, some indication of intelligence, okay? Now, you raise the case of... of Uh, of that man from Brazil and that raises an issue, several issues actually, because I put parameters around my research in that I would only look at mediumship and I defined mediumship as communication with the spirit world. Okay. And that infers, Dealing with an intelligent entity who just doesn't have a physical body and That this phenomena or the all of this phenomena is not random Okay, now I would contend that the apports of Amir Amadan are random and without intelligence and therefore not evidence of mediumship. And I go on, I I go on to say someone that you know very well, or or, uh, a research subject called Katie, the gold leaf lady, she apported um, metallic material right off her body. Okay. But how could you tell that that production of this gold, it wasn't gold, but it looked like gold. How could you tell that this production of gold leaf off her body was spirit communication? There was no indication that it was spirit communication. And the reports of Amir Amadan, even though they're plentiful, are more PK than mediumship.
1: This has always been one of the problems for survival researchers in general. Since we know that living individuals can produce psychokinesis and telepathy, clairvoyance and precognition, uh, how do we know when these are exhibited in a spiritualistic context that it's not really uh, psi, as parapsychologists call it, produced by living individuals rather than disembodied spiritual entities?
0: Well, I would, I would point to a medium called Estelle Roberts, and she's deceased now, but uh, she was well known in the 20th century in the UK, and she wrote 40 years a medium and 50 years a medium. Uh, she was purported one of the mediums to go to Buckingham Palace, and, and she, for a very humble uh, woman, she produced phenomena and had a client list that went into the royal family. And in her seances, she did not produce just apports. She produced a phenomena called direct voice. Uh, in that a voice was manifested not through her talking. It wasn't trance, but a voice would be heard from anywhere in the room, and uh, the voice would be one of her um, guides or spirit controls by the name of Red Cloud, and Red Cloud would say, "Um, I have a man here in the spirit world, and he wants to bring a rose to his wife, who is in the seance, and a rose would uh, be apported to this woman's lap so that is more of a of evidence in support of mediumship
1: that's a very good example you also Described numerous examples of spirit materialization, full-bodied in some occasions. Spirit materialization—I think in one instance, the the spirit materialized and remained present uh, for some twenty minutes, uh, allowing itself to be photographed.
0: Uh, materialized entities have come in so solid that they have had a pulse. And they have asked sitters at the seance who were doctors to get out their stethoscope and, uh, and take their pulse. And in an Alec Harris seance, an individual materialized so firmly that he said uh, to one of the sitters, strike me in the chest, you know? And I'm not a ghost, I'm not a phantom, strike me in the chest. And sure enough, you know, it, uh, the 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 entity was struck and, and 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 evidence was given that it was that it was so solid. Might I also say something, Jeffrey, because we we get confused with terms. Um and whenever I hear this either in a debate amongst skeptics or in a conversation amongst researchers, it's very important for people to understand that proof, the word proof, is not used in science. So science does not give proof. Science gives evidence. Proof is a mathematical term. You remember in high school, we had to prove the Pythagorean theorem. But in science, we gather evidence. So don't let someone talk about scientific proof. That's really an oxymoron. It's, it's evidence either in support of a theory or, or, or not in support of a theory.
1: Many people feel that the history of spiritualism is is full of fraud. That they're all kinds of examples. I've experienced them. I bet you have too. Of of people who see this as an opportunity to uh, take money from gullible people, uh, and, and that has always been a kind of cloud hanging over uh, the the spiritualist movement. I wonder. Uh, how how the various especially when it comes to things like materialization of of spirits and apports uh what are some of the best arguments uh with let's take spirit materialization that that would counteract the argument of fraud uh, to me one of them is that when the uh, materialized spirit appears and can be touched, as you point out, that then the the witnesses actually witness the uh, entity dissolving right in front of their eyes.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And it also goes to can it be reproduced and um, can it be re, uh, duplicated? Okay. Materialization has been duplicated. The phenomena has been duplicated. Uh, uh, However, there there are new sets of purported phenomena that, that have not been so easily duplicated. You cannot say that you've had 10 mediums over 150 years do this phenomena If if you don't have that long history of uh, reproducing the phenomena, then then it is then it then it would not be as valid. I'll put it that way. Uh, For example, there's a purported medium, current day, who apports allegedly apports crystals out of his eyelid. Oh, out of their eyelid. I don't want to gender them. So, well, it might even be on on video of this person sticking their finger in their eye and a little crystal popping out. Well, being a researcher of the literature, I have not seen this in, 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 in the history of mankind. So... I'm, I'm very skeptical at this new phenomena that doesn't have a track record of of uh, being duplicated. And the, in the same way, there's a purported medium who apports crystals from their mouth. There's not another medium in 150 years that ha- that ha- has had that phenomenon. So if it doesn't pass the the test of, of uh, being replicated over time. It, it should be uh, looked at very, very, very cautiously.
1: Well, I think caution is always appropriate. Uh, but if I look at the history, and in particular your book, there are many unique examples. I'll tell you one uh, that I personally have uh, witnessed uh which is uh, that is i witnessed the apported object it was quite unusual uh from when i was involved in the california society for psychical research one of the presidents who came before me had attended a séance in which rose petals dropped from the ceiling they were apported but if you look at the rose petals carefully there were photographic images Embedded in the rose petals of various, uh, personalities. Now, and I saw that. Actual photographs or photographic quality images imprinted on rose petals. Now, I've never seen that before or since, but I actually saw them and I have no idea. Maybe uh, some skeptic knows a process by which you can imprint photographic images onto rose petals, but uh, as far as I know, this this is an authentic uh, example, and it was uh, shown to me by uh, the eyewitness who who collected them.
0: Well, again, I go back to the 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 definition of mediumship: is it spirit communication or is it just uh, a psychokinesis? And uh when you when you when you mention materialization there have been materialization séances where um facial features uh um a spirit was materialized with a certain type of broken nose or a Jimmy Durante nose and they said feel my nose uh, isn't that the nose i had in life or another materialization séance had a had a a man with a a missing finger, you know? So, uh, uh, it goes to also intelligence. Uh, What intelligent uh, spirit world entity would put something on a rose petal? For what purpose?
1: Well, I'm under the impression that the images of uh, people that appeared on the rose petal were the deceased communicators.
0: I would find that intriguing enough to research it further, but not to draw a conclusion too early.
1: Fair enough. Uh, Let's talk about Helen Duncan. She's one of the great spiritualist mediums who was actually, as I recall, the last person in the United Kingdom ever uh, convicted of witchcraft and and was actually put into prison. Uh, But uh, from all accounts, she was really a great spiritualist medium.
0: If you take Helen Duncan as a case study and you look at the full body of her work, the, the several decades, and much of it has been documented from when she started to de- develop to when, when, she, when she passed on purportedly of, uh, of uh, injuries because of uh, something suffered in a seance. So when you look at her entire body of work, I'm drawn to the beginning of her development. And I see commonalities between her early phenomena and uh, um, a Polish um, medium called Klunski that might have been an acquired name. And he was not a professional medium, but his phenomena was very bizarre. I mean, birds would, giant birds of prey, and Wild animals would materialize through his through his seances. But very early on in Helen Duncan's development as a medium, she had somewhat of that wilder type of materialization before you could. Assert before her mediumship developed and the spirit world and her were able to refine her skills. So she is a, a case study that actually um, sheds light on the development of a physical materialization medium and to show that it isn't all um, um, uh, as it was in the beginning. Uh, it will be at the end. It it definitely showed a development.
1: Many people reported, as I recall, uh, when she was put on trial in the 1940s during the Second World War, many people came to testify as to the authenticity of her mediumship. However, because she was on trial, I gather, for witchcraft, all of this counted against her.
0: And historians, uh, biographers of Winston Churchill, he was very familiar with, uh, Helen Duncan and he, he didn't want her on trial and he believed her and he thought it was a, a, a detract, dis, uh, 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 distraction from the war effort and, and, and everything else. So here we have, uh, evidence showing, a uh, sympathetic, uh, feelings from uh, Winston churchill uh, at the time so but yes uh, in one of her seances a sailor uh, materialized in his uh, sailor uniform uh, and his cap had the name of his ship and uh, uh, he said he had he, he said he had uh, passed on when the ship had been torpedoed but his family wasn't told and his family went off to the war office and said, what happened to my son? And, and the war office said, where did you get that information? Is there spies amongst us? And so that's what, that's what, uh, that's what the, the undoing of Helen Duncan was. And her very talent was her undoing.
1: The reason she was put on trial is because the, the sinking of that ship was considered a, uh, a secret that uh, needed to be protected for the war effort and uh, they were concerned that uh, perhaps uh, the, the enemy, Germany, would, uh, would learn about uh, uh, things that were considered secret because of her mediumship.
0: And then the antiquated law, laws on the books, from 1735, uh, she was branded a witch because that's what the law uh, that the that was the term the law used.
1: Now I understand subsequently those laws have been changed in order to uh, uh, eliminate uh, mediumship from uh, consideration uh, under the witchcraft laws.
0: Yes, in fact, uh, in I believe 1951. Uh, several prominent, uh, mediums. I mentioned Estelle Roberts and Helen, he- Helen Hughes, uh, appeared before their parliament, uh, in, uh, in, 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 uh, asking them to repeal this law.
1: I don't know that you mention this in your book, but I'm aware of the fact that uh, Lord Dowding, during the uh, Second World War, who was the air marshal uh, in Britain, uh, his wife was a medium and very often the uh, airmen who, whose planes were shot down would appear uh, in her seances and, and basically to check out and, and report to Lord Dowding that, that they had been uh, shot down.
0: Isn't that remarkable, you know? And uh, um, yes, Lord Dowding and his wife wrote a number of books um, after, the, after the close of the war uh, that were spiritual uh, and on spiritualism and outlined what she just said.
1: Now, another very important person in the history of spiritualism is uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, The famous author of uh, the Sherlock Holmes mystery stories, a person who, uh, you know, in the popular imagination, he is uh, somebody with a very rigorous logical mind. In addition, he was a medical doctor and he was a champion of spiritualism for uh, decades.
0: If you called Andrew Jackson Davis the St. Paul of spiritualism, Arthur Conan Doyle was the St. Peter because he used, you know, imagine almost being someone on the scale of um, uh, the woman who wrote the Harry Potter books, you know, I I can't think of her name right now, but uh, she has all this money or Arthur Conan Doyle had all this money from writing Sherlock Holmes and he used almost every cent of it traveling the world he went to america maybe 10 12 times uh which was no small feat back then he went down to australia new zealand all spreading the word of of uh, of life eternal spiritualism the uh, eternal nature of our soul and and the possibility of spirit communication so he in this St. Peter fashion, just spread, and he was a trusted brand and he was uh, a great speaker and he would draw crowds. I believe he went to Carnegie Hall. Um, uh, I don't know if he stopped in Las Vegas where you are, but, he, but he, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't go out to California.
1: Well, just for your information, I'm no longer in Las Vegas. I'm talking to you from Albuquerque, uh, where I now live. But, uh, one of the interesting things about Conan Doyle, uh, is that after he died, uh, there were many, many, uh, instances in, in which he apparently, uh, appeared to other people. In fact, today, I believe there's an Arthur Conan Doyle Center in Edinburgh, uh, which was founded by a, a medium who was inspired, who received messages from him and went and, and founded that center uh, based on those communications.
0: You know, after he passed, um, Lady Doyle, his wife, was inundated with every uh, professional and amateur medium purporting to be in contact with Sir Arthur and she didn't need any any any, any proof any evidence but to keep away the hordes of, of mediums purportedly having uh, a, a connection with his uh, deceased spirit you know she was very uh, standoffish and there's A story in uh, Great Moments of Modern Mediumship, Volume Two. There are two books uh, in which Sir Arthur uh, made contact with an amateur medium, and this uh, medium knew she was kind of out of her league to call. Uh, Lady Doyle and say I have I, I I have the nerve of saying I have Sir Arthur here, but Arthur Conan Doyle impressed the private telephone number on the mind of this amateur medium, and she wrote it down. She heard it, clear audiently, and and she 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 said, "Am I going to dial the number? What am I going to say?" So she dialed the number and 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 they said yes this is the private number and uh yes you are so and so uh uh you're purporting to be in contact with our with our uh husband and our father uh but go ahead and bring us more proof thank you very much and or more evidence and you go back to airports this woman being a being a servant to the spirit world and being a servant to Sir Arthur said, okay, you gave me the telephone number. I called it. They told me to get more evidence. What are you gonna do? True fact referenced in several books, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle apported the key to his private study. And it was a unique key. She dialed the number back, said, I have the key to his his private study. I'll meet with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's son and give him the key as evidence as they requested. And sure enough, through multiple pieces of evidence received in multiple ways to include apports, this medium later became the private medium for Lady Doyle, and she convinced her through enough evidence that she did, in fact, have communication with Sir Arthur.
1: Well, that's certainly a uh, wonderful story, Uh, but I'm under the impression, Maxine, that and maybe maybe it's simply because I'm looking at things through the lens of parapsychology. It it seems as if the great moments of modern mediumship sort of trailed off. We don't hear too much about it in the 21st century,
0: with the exception of one anecdote in one of the books. I limited my uh, research to dead mediums, so. There are mediums out there producing phenomena, but I, in my research, I avoided, I avoided them for the, for the sake of compiling all of these, all of these case studies. And I, I will say that the one that I did include, um, had to do with the phenomena of temperature change within a, within a mediumistic seance, uh, People have um, said over the years that the temperature—they feel the temperature of a séance room get much colder. And uh, uh, in one case that I include in the book, the um, there was a cup of water that was frozen underneath the seat of one of the sitters in a séance, as evidence of truly how cold it got. So, but for my research, I limited it with the exception of that one case to, to, to dead mediums, if you will, or, or uh, mediums of the past. Uh, I did allude to the fact that there are still uh, purported mediums producing some phenomena, but I would say that uh, research worthy, there perhaps is only one who might give uh, uh, permission to, to uh, 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 be looked at closely uh, as a case study, whether it be through scientific controls. We just don't have the, this type of phenomena anymore.
1: One of the uh, sociological connections with spiritualism seems to be warfare. I mean, uh, the Civil War, the First World War, the Second World War, all created many bereaved parents who had lost their children and uh, sought mediums. And uh, I wonder if uh, you feel that way. Would you say that spiritualism as a movement is declining?
0: Instead of being an answer to this problem of grief, a lot of the phenomena has been turned into entertainment. It might be entertaining, but uh, the emphasis in turning it into entertainment or capitalism is definitely not what it was in the past. So th- this is definitely uh, showing how things have changed.
1: Well, Maxine Mayor, this has been a uh, fascinating discussion. I'd love to have more conversations with you. I know that uh, in in your two volume set of uh, great moments in modern mediumship, there are hundreds of fascinating examples that we haven't begun to touch on. And I know you've also written other books about spirit guides and about healing and e- even about. Uh, reading of coffee grounds. I discovered you have you have a bu- book on that topic as as well. So I uh, hope we'll be able to schedule uh, future conversations with you.
0: I would like that, Jeffrey. And I just want to know, or I just want to tell you that uh, your your show um, spreads the word of para- parapsychology to whole new audiences. And this phenomena is now ready to be understood all around the world in, in a very um, grown-up manner.
1: Well, Maxine, I, I want to thank you very much for being with me, and uh, actually, I hope someday we can have a conversation about your own experiences as a medium.
0: Yes, I, I could add a story or two to that.
1: And for those of you watching, thank you for being with us.